Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of random, funny content picked from around the web, like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. The podcast is taken right from our Uncle Reddit YouTube channel and placed here for those of you who prefer to listen to the stories without having the need for text on the screen. I upload several times each week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the fat guy with the beard telling stories. Welcome back to the channel. A little bit different camera angle tonight, a little bit different mic positioning. I think I was being a little bit lazy with the mic positioning and uh, just want to make sure everything's clear and I don't know, felt like things were getting muddy. Of course, that's probably because I'm getting a little muddy. When an idiot tries to use a production server to learn Unix. Backstory. I worked on a Windows help desk for a large company. The remote offices all used Unix servers to run their print and file server, as well as their local application. Story. About 6.30 a.m., customer calls me up one day. My printer isn't working. My reply? Sure, let me check the printer queue and see what's going on. We had a login to pull up a menu system to clear queues, and a couple of other functions. When trying to clear the queue, it said I didn't have permissions. I was given a command line login to do the same thing. Again, it told me I didn't have permission to clear the queue. I walked over to the Unix admin who just walked in. I explained the issue and he was surprised at this error. He logs into the server using root. For the non-Unix people, this is like logging into Windows using administrator. When the Unix admin tries to clear the queue, you do not have permissions. I said, oh crap, there are way bigger issues going on than the print queue. Unix admin, oh yeah, big time. I replied, I'll put a ticket over to your queue in a minute. In the investigation, it was found out someone on the application team used the root login to play around to learn Unix commands more. He did a chmod 777-r from the root directory. This changes every file and folder to read, write, and execute for user group and all. In other words, messing the entire server's folder permissions up so bad it can't function. He didn't want to buy an old computer and just put Linux on it to learn, but instead used a production server to learn off of. The application team was given a different login to use that day and root was only used by a Unix admin after that. The idiot who caused all this was yelled at to an inch of his life and basically told if he made one more screw up, he'd be canned. Oh listen, the cats are trying to get in. We were all shocked he wasn't fired. We think because he was the only person who worked the graveyard and no one else ever wanted to work it. That's the only thing that saved his job. Well look who's back, it's Nickel. Had his dinner. All ready for a bath. Hopefully he'll watch something other than his nether regions while we do this video. Anyway, yeah, it's generally bad form to start using company equipment and software to learn on the job, unless that's specifically what you're told to do. (laughs) Yeah, don't take it upon yourself. I mean, I've had guys try to learn tools on their own without any instruction, without any uh, guidance, and really screwed up tools. One guy even screwed up himself and uh, took a half of his pinky off. Brilliant. Man Day in Moscow, or a parade of red flags. A friend of mine, hereafter called F, used to study in smallish, under 500 students, Business and Technology Institute in the mid-90s. There was one sunbox for the student emails, shells, etc. Running an ever less current version of Sun OS 4 or something. There was a nominal admin, but he was rather busy, so the box was rather sloppily maintained by random persons who were given the root password and minimal instruction. Oh, here we go again. Must be the same guy. For example, F's roommate had Rude on the box at one time. He used his power and might to try out some old Unix jokes in CSH. 
Oh yes, the old sunboxes offered a choice of shells. You could have CSH or TCSH, or S-shell in this case, we'll get to this later. The depth of the problem started to become apparent in the early 2000s when F tried to access his email from my home and got a connection refused message. I had a fancy internet connection for the time, a fast DSL connection with a static IP and my own domain. I had my own firewall, so I could tell what was being blocked and what wasn't. F then tried opening an SSH connection to another shell server in a different domain and telnetting from there. That was a success. Now, most of you are probably wondering about the telnet part. F had been asking for SSH to be installed on the Sunbox to no avail. After years of begging, someone finally managed to install something called S-Shell. I still have no idea what it is. If someone does, please enlighten us. Edit. There's a couple of 2010s or 2020 projects with the name of S-Shell. Those are different. This is late 90s to about 2002. Side note, many, including my employer at the time, were initially cautious about adopting SSH because of its license terms. In my employer's case, it took a direct quote from the tattoo. Oh boy, Yanan? I don't know. You wit, you could, you do, you wit. Help me out. I know one of you guys knows how to pronounce that word. Sorry, I know I butchered it. Confirming that it was absolutely okay to use internally, and only integrating SSH in a commercial product would be an issue. Once F had gained access to his shell account, we started investigating. A lot of the system was world readable, including home directories. However, we headed over to ETC to see what was going on. Reading through hosts deny, it looked like somebody had run a random number generator and put the output in the file. There was also, among others, the entire TLD where I have my own domain, hence the connection refused error. Hosts.allow was either blank or missing, so it was only hosts.deny that was controlling access. Now, hosts.allow and hosts.deny used to be perfectly valid ways to control access to services, but this was a hot steaming pile of garbage. There were seemingly random sets of 1-4 octets, plus all kinds of domain names, including some of the largest global TLDs. For example, if any octet of an IP address had the value of 151, decimal, it was denied. Any connection from anywhere resolving to .com was denied. The most likely explanation was that whenever anyone spotted anything suspicious, they simply blacklisted whatever address the activity seemed to be coming from. Sometimes. Well, quite often with a wide margin. There were lots of issues. Some common commands seg faulted. I remember laughing at this so hard that I fell off my chair. The worst thing was that someone was collecting passwords. We found a badly hidden text file of what looked like cracked or sniffed passwords. From the looks of it, the password collector had been running at least a year, and F recognized his own password from the file, so at least some of the passwords had to be current. All of our findings were duly reported to the real admin. F ended up explaining the problems on the phone to a wall of so what until he got to the password list. At that point, the admin's reaction was, oops. The box was shut down a short while later and never restarted. Dude, talk about some security issues. Sounds like somebody needs to go through and investigate deeper and really clean house. You've got at least one or two people in there that are really mucking things up for your security. That's not how it got damaged, sir. The era, early 2000s, I think 01 or 02. The cast, me, OP, a field technician working for a major wireless network provider doing field repairs on customer cell phones under warranty. Angry customer, we'll call him Bob, owner of a Nokia 3310, a pickup truck, and serious anger issues. The setting, a retail service center. I was working as a field technician for what we will call a major cellular service provider. 
This was, of course, well before data on phones was common. And this particular story involves one of the most indestructible devices known to mankind, a Nokia 3310 bar none. Yeah, those things were bulletproof. It typically didn't work in the retail location and primarily only dealt with business customers on site. I was asked to cover the shift of a colleague while she went on vacation for a week. My very first day there, I was approached by Bob. Bob was a large man, 6'4-ish, a solid 300 pounds. Yeah, I'm American. Go standard measurements. Yay. Bob came screeching into the parking lot in his 1982 Chevy... <laughs> Bob came screeching into the parking lot in his 1982 Chevro 4 Dodge air hauler, leapt down from its lifted frame and came storming into the store. Now, I'm a technician, so I don't generally work with the customers. They have customer service agents in the store who deal with the customer and then involve the technician if repairs are needed. I stay hidden in the back and do my thing, but Bob was a hard guy to miss. As I watched the customer service agent approach the man, he starts screaming and berating the agent that his phone had fallen from the nightstand and had shattered and that it was defective device. F you and you guys always try to rip me off and on and on. Folks, this was not a cracked screen. This thing had been run over by a vehicle. I'm guessing Bob's infamous air hauler outside. Or smashed with a hammer. I've heard reports of this brick of a phone withstanding falls over 50 feet before bouncing off the pavement with a nary a scratch. This phone had not fallen from a nightstand. Cue my entrance. The CSR didn't even need to come to ask for me. I was already waiting. I approached Bob with a brand new, fresh out of the box 3310. I power the device on, wait till it loads up, then proceed to throw it on the floor and stomp on it. No surprises, not a scratch. Bob had to eat crow and the cost of a new device is I refused to process it as a warranty claim, stating the customer had clearly taken extreme action on the phone. The funny thing is we had full discretion to process any claim under warranty, but Bob was an asshat, so Bob got what he deserved. See Bob? Bob is an asshat. Don't be like Bob. I seem to remember that very model Nokia on one of my job sites being run over by a Ford Ranger on a blacktop tarmac at an airport. Yeah. That didn't fall off a nightstand and break, ever. This one did crack, but the phone stayed functioning with a little bit of duct tape and, you know, bailing wire. Eight working minutes. Eight working minutes. Posted this in our sysadmin, and some people suggested it would be better here. Hopefully some of you share the pain. Got a ticket a few weeks ago assigned to me at 8.04 a.m. on a Tuesday. Look at the ticket. It was from the day before. User put in a ticket needing help with a USB device at 6.30 p.m after hours. I look at the ticket, and as I'm looking at it, it's maybe 8.05. Another tech messages me saying he has someone on the phone looking for who was going to be working on her ticket. I take the call. She's irate. She wants to know why someone hasn't fixed the issue yet. Well, we've been open for now six minutes, and you put the ticket in after hours, and it wasn't an emergency request that warranted after-hour support. I connect to her PC. Can't find the device plugged in to the device manager. I ask her to unplug the device and plug it back in to see if it helped. She unplugged the dongle from the HDMI port and then into a USB, and it magically worked. <laughs> oh my god. She gave eight working minutes to fix a problem she created. Is this year over yet? Oh my god. Oh, that's amazing. It's funny. It's it's the same but different. Uh, you know, in my retail shop, you know, I have an online retail website, and people will place an order. Now, things are slow right now. There's no excuse that I can come up with that will satisfy pretty much anyone, but things are slow. They are what they are. And I let people know that directly on the website and in the order form and all kinds of stuff. 
they know that it's going to be seven to 10 business days lead time for shipping your product out. Most of the time I can make it faster than that, but not all the time. And that's business days, not Saturday, not Sunday, not holidays, business days. And it's amazing how many people after three days will email me and say, where's my product? Where's my order? Now I got to explain it all over again. I love my customers, but you know, got to pay attention a little. Maybe they weren't lying after all. One of my very first calls when I started working in tech support was a user claiming that they were locked out of their computer because their cat walked on top of their laptop. You wouldn't do that, would you? At that point in my life, I had never owned a cat, and while I was new to IT, I had had enough life experience to know how people lie to save their pride. I unlocked the account, but the call stayed in my mind as it was my first experience with what I assumed to be a lie of that kind, and I found it funny. Fast forward about 10 years, I now have two cats, and Microsoft is in its lovely campaign of upgrade your PC Windows 10. It's free! I had no intentions of doing so that early on, and I wasn't even sure if my laptop would have been able to support 10. I'm puttering around on my laptop and had to step away to help my wife with something. When I came back, I see my cat walking all over my laptop, and it's on a very unfamiliar blue screen. I removed said cat from said laptop, and in the space of 10 seconds experienced horror and relief. I realized that she had inadvertently started the Windows 10 upgrade, but the laptop needed one more confirmation to proceed, and I could still cancel out. My mind immediately flashed back to that call from a decade earlier, and I felt a little remorse for thinking the caller to be a liar, but not too much because I had dealt with so many other liars since. And now I take extra care to lock my laptop, since now we have even more cats at home today. Yep, try to tell my wife all the time, lock your screen close the lid, stop leaving access to that laptop for the cats to sit on and warm their asses. <laughs> it's just going to end badly for you, me, and everybody else. And then I get the phone call, oh my god, my computer, ah, panic. Yeah, even at night. Now, I don't turn off this PC, but even at night, I will take this keyboard and stand it up against my monitor. I turn the switch off on the bottom of the mouse. I don't, I don't leave anything to chance. I just, I know cats. If there's an electronic device operating and they can muck it up, they will. It's almost like they knew what they were doing. Hold this. A few years ago, I was cleaning out a storage room looking for old electronics to donate. Our storage room, which looks like a smaller version of a warehouse from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Digging through old electronics, I found a 21-inch CRT monitor. That thing is the size of a small refrigerator. I lifted it to my shoulder and started to carry it back to my IT office. The damn thing was really heavy. I'm walking through narrow corridor to my office when one of my users literally blocks my passage, folds his arms and tells me, Hey OP, so I have this problem with my home computer. There's a pop-up with ads showing up once in a while on the right bottom corner of my screen and I can't get rid of it. <laughs> I'm standing there in disbelief, looking like the atlas holding the earth, thinking if chiropractor services are covered in my health plan. He continues, so what do you think will cause this? I lifted the monitor, told him, hold this, and handed it to him. He started grabbing the monitor, almost ready to collapse under its weight. I folded my arms and said, okay, let me think about this. Are you using Chrome? He handed the monitor back to me, apologized, and sheepishly left. <laughs> I'm hoping he got the point. Oh, I'm pretty sure he got the point. And a little mild taste of muscle fatigue. I'm not sure I would have took it back from him that fast, though. It's like he knows which way the camera faces. I try to always have it facing so that you're not always staring at his butt or the back of his head, but... Yeah. If you guys enjoyed this video, do me a favor and click this one here on screen because I think you might enjoy this one too. See ya.